the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Those special elections we've been trying to stop for lo these many years. I mean, Alan Kerr went after it first and and worked at it. Uh, There was a gentleman before Alan Kerr that did it. Uh, The guy that started it, he couldn't get anything going. Alan Kerr got to within one vote in a in a meeting one time and then got and got the, the bill killed uh david has done very well except that he's had he had sturch that he had to deal with they killed the bill in the in the house one time what are we looking about uh, at this now uh david uh, this time around does it look better this time well not only does it look better dave it's a done deal oh okay uh, that's good news all right the Senate, the Senate has passed the bill. Um, they passed it by, with 30 votes. You know, there's, thir- there's only 35 members of the Senate. Right. And to pass it with 30 votes was a tremendous accomplishment. you got some You'll Democrats. Be, sorry, there's a, there's a goose flying overhead if you all hear honking in the background. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, even I think even Senator Chesterfield voted for the legislation. Whoa. Wow. That's Very amazing to me. Are you um, going to send her some flowers? Get a what's that? Are you going to send her a bouquet of flowers? So, <laughs> I don't know about that, but. David. How does the bill read about the special elections? What are what are the restrictions? Yeah, so the bill requires that any local measures or questions. These are things like local option sales tax increase, uh, a property tax increase for your local library, or uh, bond measures, things of that nature, those would be required to be, when they're put on the ballot, they would have to be put on one of two dates each year that are predictable and consistent for voters, right? The big problem with special elections is they're held at irregular times when voters don't know to head to the polls and, and weigh in on these issues. They'll put them, you know, like uh, just a month ago, like North Little Rock did, they'll put it on Valentine's Day yeah. or they'll put it in the middle of in the middle of all vacation. So my bill would require them in an election year to place those issues on the primary or the general ballot. And uh, so that's in even numbered years when we typically hold elections. In non in, in odd numbered years, they'd still have the opportunity to put those issues before voters, but they they'd only get those same two dates. They could put it on the second Tuesday in May or the second Tuesday in November. So each year you know, you're going to know, voters will know when Election Day is, and they'll be able to show up to the polls accordingly. So wow. so what we're looking at now is just the signature of the uh, governor, correct? Yes, that's right. And I'll be honest with you, Dave, uh, I didn't see your text message asking me to call in until about three minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I would have checked the website to see if the governor signs or not. But, um but I've reached out to the governor's office, and they've been very positive about the bill. So I fully anticipate that Governor Sanders will sign this into law. All right. One last thing before I, I let you go, because I know you're on you're on Easter break, so I don't want you to 
to be spending all your time on the air. And and that is when SB 306 gets over to the House, would you all please kill it? Um, 306 is the one dealing with the asset test. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, I just, Dave, my view on this is we there has never been a time in the history of the United States when we have had a more generous social safety net. I mean, if you add up the value, the monetary value of all the government benefits that are available to people, it's astronomical. Yes, it is. And, and you know, I just think instead of focusing on ways – to get more people on welfare, I, I just really wish we would focus on finding ways to get people into self-sufficiency, uh, getting them back to work so that they can provide for their families, so that they can, um, you know, get get the fulfillment and dignity that comes with work. Um, you know, uh, so that, that's sort of my outlook on it. Um, but I will say we've done a lot of things this session that have been good in terms of reforming welfare. Um, but, I, you know, I don't want to see us go back in the opposite direction. Thank you very much. I, I, I count on your vote to to stop uh, that, that bill. I sure hope it, it, it stopped. Go ahead. Good job on the special election. Absolutely. That's something that we've been fighting for, for I know of, for eight years and, and probably longer than that. And it basically had no hope no hope before uh, before the new governor came to town. And so did Al- good, did Alan Kerr send you a, ba- a bottle of champagne? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I've not received any champagne, but um, I did talk to Alan. And you know, I, I'm thankful to a lot of people who have worked on this issue before me. Um, you know, uh, you mentioned somebody that may have taken it up even before 2013, Dave. Yes. But I know, you know, Alan Kerr. Uh, fought the good fight in 2013. I think in 2015 it was Andy Davis. In 2017, um, I think Nate Bell, or maybe it was Nate Bell in 2015 and Andy Davis in 2017. In 2019, Justin Gonzalez ran the bill, and that was when we came within one vote, but we had the the Sturch Lurch, I think is what yeah. it was termed. Yep, that's what um, we call it. But you I were behind all of them. I know that you were supporting them through the organization that you were a chart of. I know yeah. you've supported all those people. The reason you know because you were supporting them Americans in their efforts. Americans for Prosperity, for, absolutely. For Americans for Prosperity. Yeah. So thank well, you thank for you continuing for in the fight. Thank you. This is, this is um, you know, of all the bills that I've run this session, this is the one that I'm the most proud of, and it's been a, it's been a labor of love for many years. And so I think our taxpayers and our voters will benefit for many years to come as a result. Okay, so I I read an article, and again, I I, I lied to you. i got one more question for you. Uh, They said that uh, when you guys come back, uh, still on the table are taxes, uh, finances, and criminal justice. Is it going to be a little easier sailing than what the uh, the Learns Act was? Yeah, I think so. I think right now everybody's just trying to make sure – they're they're fine tuning that that parole bill and the, and the jail legislation, the prison legislation, just because you know obviously they want the the price tags to be um, in line with what the state can afford, um, balancing all our other priorities. But yeah, once that gets fine tuned, um, I think that'll that'll be something that has broad support. I mean, 
nobody takes any joy in having to build a new state prison, but the fact is we've this is an area that's just gone neglected. We haven't built one in 20 years. We have massive prison overcrowding that we've had at least since 2014, and that is backing up into the county jails. They're now overflowing. It's causing huge strain on our counties. People are having to get paroled before they should. Violent people, I'm not talking about pot smokers or jaywalkers, but people who've committed real violent crimes, they're getting churned back out into the community across the state, and that is helping fuel this spike in crime that we've seen. Well, yeah, the county jails are full of state prisoners, so if someone gets arrested in your neighborhood, there's no place to put them because they're full of state prisoners. Except in your living right, room. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Right, so, you're absolutely right. And, you know, as the population goes, the percentage of people that don't need to be uh, uh, in society doesn't change. It's the same percentage. So as the population grows, you have to grow the jail beds. It's not popular, but we appreciate you doing the hard stuff. Well, you're right. Thank you, R.D. It's just like, you know, it's it's part of your infrastructure, just like schools or hospitals or roads, right? You know, the last time we built a state prison, um, it was 20 years ago. In the last 20 years, we've added almost, I think we've added 600,000 people. Yes, to almost our a million people. Population. Yeah, that's so, exactly um, right. If you've got the same percentage, it's that many more beds needed. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, we'll let you go. We appreciate you, David. Thanks so much for your hard work, and congratulations. And we can check out on the Internet to see if the governor signed that bill yet or not. All right? Hey, thank you, guys. All right. Appreciate you. you. Talk to you later again. Good vacation. Bye-bye. All right, quarter till 9 on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing, what they can do for you as far as your roof goes and uh, as far as, uh, you know, getting construction done around your house. You got small jobs? They can do it for you. They're good at doing roofs. They're good at like fixing your deck or taking care of uh, a leak that you might have had that you got to replace pieces in the ceiling or whatever. They can do all that for you as well. All you have to do is contact them the same way you would about doing a roof. Call them at 501-707-3115 and tell them Dave Ellswick sent you, and they'll take really good care of you on, on all of this, or you can just do it on the web at piroofing.com. I got a list here. We've got a resolution against technocracy and globalism in support of of body autonomy and uh, body autonomy. So that's an excellent bill. If anybody gets a chance to look that up and read it, it's an excellent bill. Resolution supporting uh, paper ballots uh, failed. The resolution against technocracy and globalism, that one passed. Uh, paper ballots failed. A res- resolution for supporting requiring citizens for citizenship for all voter- voters in the U.S. elections that you have to be a citizen to vote in our elections. That passed, of course. Resolution to free January the 6th prisoners. That passed, of course. A resolution to support uh, the liability of COVID vaccine uh uh, injuries, so uh, so resolution support against the li- being liable for not taking the COVID vaccine, that one passed, and uh, uh, vehicle freedom resolution uh, also passed. So everything passed except the paper ballots. What's a vehicle and freedom resolution? I'll have to read that one. Vehicle freedom 
resolution uh, presenter. I'll pull it up. I got a copy of it here, so I'll look at it before we get off the air. Okay, well, while you're looking at that, let me just say in District 2, the new chair is Jennifer Lancaster. First vice chair is Drew Martin. Second vice chair is Pamela Boyd Shields. Secretary, Doug Warner. Treasurer, Alfred Drinkwater. Minority chair, uh, Thurlow Cobb. Uh, representative to the State Executive Committee, Steve Smith, and representatives to uh, State Committee are, uh, I'm trying to think, now, I think Scott Gray, Jackie Martin, Mark uh, Brennan, and Robert Steinbach is all on right. there as well. So that's the way that all went out. And now you got your little piece Okay, there. yeah. Vehicle Freedom Resolution, the 1st Congressional District of Polk, Republican Party of Arkansas opposes electric vehicle mandates and incentives, such as those implemented in California and urges the Arkansas General Assembly to implement past legislation prohibiting such mandates and incentives in the state of Arkansas. Okay. I that kind of makes sense. That's so right. we yeah. want the freedom to drive whatever kind of car we want to drive and not have it mandated yeah. by state government. It would be nice if we could become exempt from all EPA. Now, I want for everybody rules. to understand why they're doing this. Because of what's happening in California and other states where they're wanting to get rid of internal combustion engines and go to all electric cars. Uh, we need to start, you know, taking care of this information now instead of waiting for it to land on our doorstep, so to speak. That's an excellent resolution. Get it, get it taken care of and be done with it. That's an excellent resolution. The 1st District passes a lot of good resolutions, but uh, free market still works, people. The government doesn't have to make all our decisions you for sure us. sure it still works? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's sure. No, wait, wait. Well, it, I mean, you're sure. <laughs> what, what free market? <laughs> well, you know, you know, the cost of socialism and the cost of doing business, you know, is a lot of the reasons that I sold my business is because, you know, the what was left after the insurance and the cost of doing business, I was going to have to raise my business 25% to continue wow. to, to, so to support everybody. So I was going to have to go in debt, you know, a lot of money to to uh, raise my business volume because the old volume doesn't work anymore well, it, in a, in the society at, that we at have. At some point, it's not worth it. Yeah. Uh, have you ever read the book, book Atlas Shrugged? At some point, yes. the people who are very capable— Last person out of town, turn out the lights. Yeah, or just— don't worry about it because they're going to they're going to they're, they're, they're going to go they're going to they're going to go off on their own. Yeah. But the, the the thing is though that that when you um, harass the people who are incredibly capable, if you harass them enough, they're liable to retire to an island somewhere and let you starve. And I really think you know I always preach about freedom on insurance, and you guys are tired of hearing it after all these no. years. No. But for. 25 years, our business provided good health care insurance for our employees, and I believe that we had an advantage in the marketplace, and people would come to work for our family business because we took money out of the owner's pockets to make sure that our people had good health insurance, and it gave us an advantage in the marketplace. But when the state of Arkansas decided that they would raise the bar to provide free health care insurance, for everybody than ever all my competitors that didn't pay their people as well or provide insurance their people all got insurance and the people 
that were working so they could provide for their family and have insurance for the family got insurance anyway. So I believe since the Affordable Health Care Act, United States of America, it's harder to get somebody to go to work and support their own yep, family because they have free health care insurance. It is. That's my opinion. And I'm, in, and I'm trying to hire pretty, people. That's a pretty straight opinion, too. To be honest, you take away an incentive for people to work, they're not going to work. We're finding that out more and more. You, you, you know mean that? people don't just go to work for altruistic reasons? No, of course not. <laughs> and, you know, I did not run for state senate because, you know, I wanted to have uh, uh, something else on my tombstone when they put me in the ground. Uh, you know, the only thing I'm worried about is who's going to judge me. But uh, I tell you, whenever they passed that and started, took the the uh, something that we provided privately for all those years and tried to take it away from us then uh, that that aggravated me enough to get involved in politics. Yeah, because that's the old saying. The old saying is you don't want to be involved in politics, you will when politics gets involved with you. And uh, for you, it got to the point that that was the pushing point. So insurance, after they made it, you know, free... Then it cost <laughs> I uh, <laughs> after they made it free. <laughs> then it cost us seventy five percent more to provide it for our employees because my employees were work to pay and working hard to pay for it for all the people that didn't work. I saw a brand new uh, political cartoon from up for in our Minnesota, and it was talking about. Isn't it great that we're giving all of our children free lunches and it's just absolutely free and it shows the politicians saying this, right? And then as they're saying it, they're reaching behind them and there's a person that says taxpayer and they're reaching in their back pocket because nothing, no program is free. No, and the thing is that giving people free stuff a lot of times doesn't help them. It might fill their bellies for, for the day. But when you um, give someone a, <clears throat> you give someone who needs to learn how to walk, you, and you give them a wheelchair so they never learn how to walk, guess what happens to them? They never learn how to walk. And yeah. you know, that's a disservice. Yeah. That's funny you should say that. I had a friend of mine that had knee surgery, and the government bought him a free electric, a free electric scooter, scooter and he never walked again because he never had to. But the person that rode. The they wrote the anti-globalism. I can't say the technocracy. I can't say that very well. But the person that wrote that bill told me a statement. He said basically, "Read my lips." And I was talking to him, and I said, "What's that?" And he said, "All taxes are theft." Yeah, it's true. And I said, uh, "Hey, I like you. I like that. All taxes are theft." He said, "You know what? We had roads in this country before taxes." So I said, hey, I like the way he Some, thinks. Somehow it happened. And, and the reality is that a, a lot of times what you may end up finding was that in, in the past that the people who wanted to get through made roads. Well, David Ray said two things when we had him on the phone. I always pick out words when somebody's talking. One thing he said, priorities. He said the word priorities. Then he said safety in our communities, priorities and safety. Well, those are both priorities, aren't they? Yeah, safety has not been a priority in this state for 20 years because we haven't built a a prison in 20 years. So this state has done a lot of things in the last 20 years, but safety has not been a priority. And David Ray is saying this administration, our, our judicial branch, is going to make it a priority. Our, our justice system has not prioritized on on safety. They've prioritized on um, 
enforced obedience in many respects. And so we've got lots and lots of um, distractions in our justice system that are, that are filling up prisons and, and causing problems. Welcome Conrad Reynolds to us, Colonel Conrad Reynolds. In just a moment, we told you about what happened in District 1 uh, here over the weekend. District 2 also uh, got together with the Republican Party. And, uh, Colonel, you have to be happy. Not only did they take care of of uh, what a lot of people wanted taken care of as far as closed primaries, but they also right. took care of uh, paper ballots for you. Well, I, they first off, thank you for having me. Um, what beautiful morning. And, yes, it was a great Saturday. Uh, the second district meeting uh, was fantastic uh, because they did pass uh, a resolution uh, basically saying, hey, well, look, we want paper ballots in the second district. Uh, they also voted for closed primaries, two things that we absolutely need uh, uh, in Arkansas. Um, I, I'm sorry that the first district, I will say this, I'm sorry that they didn't pass it, but I think it's because they just don't, uh, I haven't had an opportunity to really focus on the first district. I have on the second. Uh, people get it. Um, our, unfortunately, our legislators don't right now, but they will. Uh, it's just going to take a little time. Uh, but we're excited. We're excited that, uh, that they passed that. And Jennifer Lancaster is going to be a great I – mean, it, it, it was time for new leadership. Right. And, uh, and the Patriots took over in the 2nd District. And uh, it's going to be a, uh, it's gonna be a great, a great uh, next uh, couple of years for sure. All right. Well, how how did everybody like uh, Mike Lundell? Did they enjoy uh, his 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 speech to them? Well, I, I, you know, how can you not like Mike Lundell? I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, he is a patriot. He's a, really, really a good guy, Dave, and he's really exactly like you see him on the commercial. That's that's how he is in person. Uh, you know, kind of over the top personality. He's excited about uh, election integrity. He understands what's at stake here in our country, and uh, and I'm, I'm pleased to be his friend. I'm th- I thank him immensely for taking the time on a Saturday to fly down. He went to Colorado Springs first and picked up Colonel Sean Smith, who is also a speaker. Sean Smith is probably one of the uh, uh, best experts of testing and evaluation uh, in the U.S. Space Command. Uh, he worked for the Secretary of Defense. Um, and he was able to completely obliterate uh, the, the narrative that the machines are safe. He obliterated that. And if anybody uh, wants to know uh, exactly what's going on with the machines, uh, they can watch. We're gonna, we've got a video. We recorded the whole thing, and we'll have a video on our website at AV, or, uh, avii.org, avii.org. That will be on later this week. And they'll be able to see it. And, um, and be able to see, and, and I, don't, I don't know how anybody can watch that and come away with the machines are great, and, and not in our state. Uh, unfortunately, we have a lot of people who are just unwilling to listen. They just want to continue business as normal without really looking at the facts. And uh, that's why I'm out here doing my thing and trying to tell people and educate people uh, with our 501c4. All right, I got I got to ask a question away from uh, what we're talking about right now because I know that you uh, are very uh, close to former uh, President Trump. What are what are you making of all of this uh, brouhaha that we've been hearing about? He's going to be indicted this week and perhaps arrested. 
Well, I think that uh, uh, absolute truth to the rumor. Uh, that's my. This is my personal opinion, Dave. I I don't have inside information. I know, I, but but I do believe that um, they would love to indict him because it would please the left. The problem is, I believe uh, that Elon Musk got it right. If they arrest him, he is definitely going to be the president because you're going to have people coming out from everywhere to vote because they can see the injustice here. This is ridiculous. Um, uh, arresting President Trump would be the worst thing they could do, but if, but they, I think they will do it. I think their their ego is such that they can't help themselves. Yeah, I mean, we're seven years down the road from uh, from from the porn star and that they're going after him about, and there's a two-year statute of limitations on that. And, you know, they're breaking laws left and right to go after him on this. Right, right. And, and really all they want is a photo op. They would love to see him in handcuffs and have that picture everywhere. That's what they're trying to get. And I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so, um, you know, they, they may try to arrest him. They may go that route. But I don't think you're going to see any more than that. And, um, but anyway, that's my, that's my personal opinion. Uh, President Trump will come out on top of this, uh, I think, without question. All right. So how, how are, are you, you got the dis- second district in? When are you going to turn your attention to, uh, you know, one, three, and four? Well, um, I've, got, I've got meetings. I've got counties calling me, Dave. You won't believe this. But Republican committees, other concern, uh, concerned citizen groups are asking me to come speak. Um, because most of them, the people want ballots. They, want hand, they want to get rid of the machines. They want hand-marked ballots that are not the ones of 30 or 40 years ago. They want a, a, a secure ballot uh, that can be hand-marked and hand-counted. That's what they want. Unfortunately, they pushed this bill 250. Um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt a little bit. Uh, it's not going to be, you know, we'll be able to overcome it. Uh, the counties will be able to overcome the SB 250. That was kind of a, a, a speed bump they tried to put in the way, uh, which is unfortunate, Dave, because these are Republicans doing this, and I don't understand why. Uh, why would anybody want a non-transparent system when you can have a very transparent system? Uh, why would you want to do that? I, I really don't know. Uh, but, but I will tell you this. Every legislator we invited to the event on Saturday, every senator we invited there we invited most of the jps and not one not one representative showed up that i saw and not one senator showed up on saturday now you know some of them i i give them credit they responded to me and said oh sorry uh you know colonel i've already got you know plans for spring break but i can't believe that all 100 of them uh were that way but uh but nobody showed up so that really bothers me because uh, election integrity is critical so, Connor Reynolds, this is Paul Calvert here. Uh, I've been talking about talking to legislators about some of these things, and um, I guess I'm not sure where to, where to start with this. But I, I think a lot of them are are they don't understand, I guess, why such a strong push for for hand marked ballots, and and why can't we simply use the ballots we have. To do the same thing, because I think currently the the ballots we use are they're paper. They can be counted by hand if we choose to. Um, right. And we can, we can actually bypass or or just step aside from the the tabulator if you want, and just if a county wants to, they can take those the paper ballots that are being used right now 
and hand count them if they want to, just to, to either to verify the the, the um, tabulation from the tabulator, or to just right. to make that a, the official um, deal. And actually, we were just talking here in the studio earlier. I think Anna Hopper kind of had this idea from from RD RD's daughter was what what if we give people a um, allow them to, to write down their own serial number, or else give them a little tear off tab from the from the ballot they can take home. That way, they can always validate the um their own ballot but leave it a secret to everyone else and maybe go go ahead and even publish the ballots with their serial number and so that everybody can look at every single ballot right but there wouldn't be a name attached to it that would just be they'd just be up there that that, that is a great question paul uh, and, and let me uh answer it this way um the problem is voter intent um that's assuming you're assuming that the express vote, the touchscreen, is doing everything right, and that you're going to catch it, that everybody's going to catch it. The reality is there's been several studies done. Uh, you probably know the name of uh, Professor Halderman, uh, the guy that did the study for Georgia, and looked at and found all the flaws in their machines. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did a study in Michigan um, uh, about voters uh, catching mistakes on the express vote. Right, so they, they would. Found they that would. 93% did not catch any mistakes. 93%, they intentionally, uh, they intentionally flipped votes on it. Uh, after they made a selection, they would flip it. And 93% of the people didn't catch it. And then the ones that did really didn't know what to do because they couldn't, there was no evidence showing that it flipped. They just had to say, hey, something went wrong here. And so there was no video of it because no one videos the actual process of voting. The other thing was is that the paper ballots that come out, they're, they're not ballots, actually. They're, su- they're ballot summary cards. They're nothing more than a receipt. That's all they are. The ballot is on the computer, the computer screen. So what happens is, is that receipt comes out, and less than 4% check it. Less than 4% even look at it. And the ones that did was no, no, no more than three seconds, enough to look at one, maybe two races. That is it. So what you have is a system that is flawed. That's why we know that paper ballots capture voter intent and that 98% of the people who do a paper ballot realize if they've made a mistake. They realize they, they circled the wrong oval, and they can say, hey, whatever. So what we're trying to say is voter intent is absolutely critical in elections. And we shouldn't put all the onus on the voter saying, well, you've got to check your receipt from the machine. Because we know that most of them will never do that. And so it's, it would be easy. And, and it's not just Conrad Riddle saying this. Uh, i got several papers I can send you. People will tell you. The professors will say, no question about it. You've got to get rid of touchscreen machines. These, they call, they're called BDM. It's ballot marking devices. Uh, uh, yeah, BMDs. Get rid of them. And you've got to go to a paper ballot, and it's got to be hand-marked and hand-counted, every race. We call it, it's, it's got, it has to be. That's the only way you're going to have a, an election everybody can trust. And there is volumes of literature out there supporting everything that I just said. And, and all anybody's got to do is take a few minutes to read it. Uh, the one thing that really upset me, not upset me, but one of the things I really got discouraged is that none of the legislators that I talked to even knew what a DS-200 was or an express vote machine. They really didn't even understand ES&S, the company that runs our election. They don't understand Clarity, the, where, the, the, where we upload all the information to. They really don't understand any of it. 
and that and, and I wish they would get educated. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to educate people on why we've got to get rid of machines in Arkansas. That's just what that's just what we're all about. And so, so the thing is, I, I, when, as as I've been speaking with them, I, I think that a lot of us. Um, so hand counting is one of those things that it, it's kind of nice, but the reality is that I was talking earlier with RD. You know, if, if I take cash to the bank, and let's say it's kind of a, a larger stack, um, they've got a counter there. I can I can count it myself by hand, and they've got this machine that counts the money as well. It's a there's a I might have a a sixty percent chance of getting that right. Let's say I have ten thousand dollars there in um, in twenty twenty dollar bills. There's there might be a, a fifty or sixty percent chance that I will get it right when I count it, even if I count it three or four times. But if I send it through that machine, there is just nearly a 100% chance that that machine will get it right every single time because the machine just doesn't hardly make mistakes. Unless there's something in the Unless. machine that's going to make exactly. a mistake. Exactly, and that's – And if ESS won't let you even look inside the machine – That's a problem. Do you trust them that much? And, that, and that's, one of the, that's one of the things is that if we can somehow verify that the machine is, um, is not corrupt, then – the machine will almost certainly do a better job of counting than what hand counting will do. And so if, if there is some way to audit the machines, if there's some way to um, to put some sort of a, um, a, a, to test them to see if they're accurate, that would be good. The well, fact that we can't check into that does seem like a serious right. problem. Can I ask you, can, hey, Colonel, let me ask you to hold on and answer that when we come yeah. back. i got to get a break in. Let's do that. And Because uh, we've talked about this before, we'll give you the opportunity to talk to to, uh, yeah, Colonel was answering a question, and I, I put my hands up and said, "Stop! We need some time to take a break. We paid, we paid some bills already." Colonel, go ahead. Okay, great. Well, thanks again. Thanks for having me. And uh, great questions. And I get these questions all the time. Uh, everybody's trying to figure out, you know, well, what? How can we salvage what we've got? Well, here's what we said: we need a hand marked paper ballot. If you want on election night. We've got the DS-200. You could run those through the DS-200 for a quick a, a machine count of, after the election for an unofficial count right now. You could do that easily. And then do a hand count of those ballots afterwards. That's all we're asking. Uh, you know, that's all you need to do. I don't think you're going to need the machines at all because I think some of the smaller counties are being forced to use a machine when they've got very few votes. You know, when you've got 2,000 votes, you can knock that out in no time. But they're being forced to, uh, the SB 250 now is forcing them to use their tabulator. The reality is the, S, the, the machines, of what we have now, count the ballot summary card, which basically is a, a barcode that they count. They don't even count the name that you're reading. So I don't trust any other company, any company, uh, to tell me that a barcode is going to be my vote, and they're going to tell me what that means. And I have no way of checking. I have no way of knowing. That's where we're at right now. So we've got to get rid of the barcode. And what I'm saying is, is that why don't we just go to paper ballots and make it easy, okay? Uh, it's a little harder, yeah, you've got to count them. But it's not, it's not something we can't do. Every modern com- country in Europe hand counts. They don't use machines, okay? And I do believe, I believe that there, there are major vulnerabilities and flaws. And it's not Conrad Riddle saying this, guys. I mean, this is, I can show you Ph.D. after Ph.D. cybersecurity experts all over almost unanimously say get rid of the machines. 
So why are we still using them? Because they're convenient. That is the answer. And the problem with convenience is that you lose security. And that's where we're at today. All right. I think that R.D. had a question that he wanted to ask, and then we'll wrap it up. Go ahead, R.D. All right. Well, we were just talking, and whatever way we do, the mail-out ballot seems to be where all the corruption is, and all the loose ballots that get mailed out are the ones that people check out to take to nursing homes. Uh, is there any talk how to work on the – if you go back to paper ballots, I mean, you, there's always the President Johnson examples where somebody shows up with a truckload of ballots, you know, and uh, – No, no, so well, I got you. Well, let me, I, let me I mean, answer that real quickly. Go, go ahead. ahead. Let me answer it because it's, that's, that's – again, you're talking about something 30, 40 years ago. Right. We're not talking about that. Well, that needs so, to be answered, though. Go ahead. Well, yeah, okay, okay. Well, here's what we're talking about. If, if, if we'll take uh, – you're in Lordoak County. How many voters do you have in primary? the primary? Do you know? Well, in the primaries, no, I don't know exactly how many voters. Okay. Not as many as okay, there should be. Probably, I don't know, five or 10,000. Yeah, okay, say 10,000. Yeah. So you get, you'll get 15,000 secure paper ballots that got a watermark that cannot be counterfeited from the company I was talking about out of um, Texas. Okay, it is a, a, a secure ballot. So you get 15,000, we'll say. 10,000 vote. The county clerk has to be responsible for all 15. It's chain of custody. So there better be 5,000 blanks. 5,000 didn't use. You got 10,000 ballots. 5,000 you didn't use, and then when you're counting them, okay, you have a blue light that checks to make sure the watermark is there. It's a ballot ballot, okay, and then you count it. A Democrat and Republican count it. That is it, and you're, you account for all 15,000 ballots in your county. There's no truckload of ballots going to be coming in and, and dumped in. It's impossible because you've had chain of custody on all of those ballots. It's not hard to do. This is not rocket science. We do this all the time. Uh, with money, we do it with with documents, classified documents. We do it with these things, so it's pretty easy to do when you have a finite number. And that's why I'm telling everybody that if they just take a few minutes to read uh, or go to our website and look at what we have to present, it really makes it very clear. And it takes away all of these arguments uh, that that people are putting up because they really don't understand the system. You know, and I mean, I mean it's, a, it's a valid question. Believe me, we have it. But once I explain it to people, then they get it. They go, ah, now I understand. Okay, and so and and, and they they are converted right there. So that's what we're hoping people will do, and um, that's why the second district voted because most of them understand why we have to have paper ballots. We've got to get rid of the machines, and we and we can do that in Arkansas. We could be the leader of election integrity in the country if we wanted to be. All right. And even yeah, even President Trump said if you're all Republican governors should be right now going to paper ballots and getting rid of the machines. And I agree with him. All right. Colonel Reynolds, I'll have you back on this week uh, for when you uh, have your uh, material going up on your website. We'll let everybody know about being able to see this. And we thank you for your time today. Thank you, Dave, and thank you guys for your questions. All right, I'll talk to you later now. All right, Colonel All right, Conrad Reynolds here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got to get a break in. When we come back from the break, it's going to be uh, State Representative Carlton Wing and some legislation he'd like to see passed. Well, we have really been covering it today, and uh, we thank Colonel uh, Conrad Reynolds for joining us in that last half hour, giving us a report about uh, the 2nd District and 
what went down in their meeting over the weekend and who was elected to what officers and things of that nature. Great to talk to him about that. Of course, we talked about paper ballots, which was approved by the 2nd District, disapproved by the 1st District, but the 1st and 2nd District agreed that we need to have closed primaries. With that all said, let's move on to another uh, guest uh, this morning. And uh, remember that a lot of these uh, elected officials are out on their uh, Easter break right now, and that includes the one that we're going to talk to right now, which is State Representative Carlton Wing from North Little Rock. He's got a piece of legislation, uh, House Bill 1521, that I've just kind of give my own little uh, uh, designator to it says disarming a cop bring us up to what's going on about that uh, if you would uh, representative yes sir good morning Dave uh, uh, glad to be on with you again here uh, yeah this bill is is kind of interesting it's something that I've talked to with local law enforcement for a few years now as we've kind of been uh, addressing the issue what disarming means is just kind of what it states that if you're trying to take a weapon from an officer, um, you know, of course, and once that happens, it totally changes the nature of the interaction that's taking place between the law officer and the person who is being arrested or just being, you know, restrained for whatever reason. Uh, the, everything changes at that moment. And so there, as we have said, we have, in fact, you and I have talked about this on the show as well. The respect for the rule of law needs to be paramount in order for our society to be able to maintain itself. And we have seen attacks on that rule of law in recent years. And our law enforcement certainly has felt it. And, and so as I was researching this, there are laws on the books against disarming an officer in every one of our neighboring states. Um, I mean, literally, every one of our neighboring states and many states across the country Arkansas does not have that law, and so what this bill, HB 1521, would do would be able to uh, uh, create that criminal offense, and it would be a Class C felony if you, uh, if you do so. And so um, Class C felony, that's uh, a range of three to ten years and uh, up to $10,000 in fines. Um, so, Carlson, this is Paul Calvert here. I, I was watching some of the testimony in that in the committee meeting the other day. I didn't catch all of it. But are there any exceptions for cases like what we saw in Memphis where those officers were basically murdering that fellow? Um, would he be char- – if he had attempted to take away a baton from an officer who was essentially murdering him, would he be charged with a felony for taking away the the, the weapon for the purposes of, of – def- of basically preventing himself from being killed, or is that going to is he going to pick up a felony charge for um, attempting to disarm someone who's attacking him unjustly, unjustifiably? Yeah, yeah Paul, it's, it's very interesting that you mentioned that exact instance because there was a clause in an earlier version of this bill that included a statement that um, basically described the scene as you just. Uh, described it mm-hmm. and uh, but but I had contacts with legal professionals who said that is defined in other code in the state as far as excessive force and so uh, yeah excessive force would negate uh, most of this and it's certainly with what we saw in Memphis okay okay that's, that's just it's, it's a little bit concerning that's, that's it was just kind of an yeah. initial thought it's like okay if someone's 
unjustifiably uh, an officer is unjustifiably attacking someone, the person should have yeah. the right to disarm that officer. <clears throat> and, and I realize that that may not happen terribly often, but I, I have personally no. been falsely charged um, before, and, um, and it wasn't a it wasn't a fight or anything that I had. It was it, it was all kind of done on paper, but. The reality is it does happen. We've got some corrupt government officials out there, and it, it's a little bit concerning. But if it's if it's already addressed in yeah. another part of the code, the yeah. person can indeed defend themselves from being attacked, and that, that shouldn't be an issue, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's part of another part of the code, um, and and this one it says, uh, you know, literally word for word in this bill, um, in section B, a person commits disarming with the purpose of causing physical injury to the law enforcement officer or another person. The person purposefully uses physical force to take from a law enforcement officer the firearm, nightstick, taser, stun gun, personal protection, all of that is uh, is what's covered with this. Okay, so that, that kind of clarifies that anyway. Yeah. So it's with the purpose of harming yeah. them. All right. With, yes. with that, with that in mind, how how does the bill uh, stack up? Are things going all right for it in the House? Yeah. So we uh, presented we presented it in the House Judiciary Committee last week, and there were some questions about one of the clauses. And I'm not sure, Paul, if you were there when we were discussing uh, the presumption. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, in Rosenswag. Senator, um, um, attorney yeah. Rosenswag came up and and presented an issue, and yeah. Yeah, and so you know the issue of presumption, uh, uh, you know, it, overall, overall he's correct. The Supreme Court has ruled that you can't presume a um, you know an, an offense just because of certain things. Now, Arkansas law has uh, in in our Arkansas code, we have a way kind of to deal with the presumption uh, clause that enables, like for instance, like with shoplifting, uh, if somebody walks into a store and shoves an item inside their clothing to, uh, you know, it, it's presumed that what you're trying to do is, is steal. However, uh, you can't necessarily get that through in, in court. So what Arkansas law has is a way of rather than having it be a mandatory presumption that is, you know, that's, that's mandatory, it's, it's, it's more optional. It's like a suggestion to the jury. Uh, so it, it adds a certain degree of uh, elevation uh, to this, but it's not mandatory. So what what we're doing right now, and this is part of the political process, and this is one of the great ways about uh, the, you know the, all the filters that an idea has to go through before it becomes law. It has to go through a committee. It has to go through one of the chambers on the floor, and then it goes through the other chambers committee and the chamber floor, and then to the governor's desk. I mean that's. That's five of the filters right there that an idea has to go through to make sure it's vetted, to A, see if it's a good idea, period, and then also to make sure you don't have any unintended consequences. And so what one of the concerns of the committee was, would one of the unintended consequences be, even though I think most everybody on the committee agreed with the premise of the bill, would this be ultimately constitutional because of that presumption clause? And we would argue that it would. And right now what we're deciding to do is if we, what, we could just take the presumption clause out, which still maintains the, the, the integrity of the bill, which is that you can't take a weapon from a law enforcement officer, period. You know? And so the presumption clause just merely gives a suggestion to a jury in a trial that um, you know, we presume that this person was doing so you know, with an object to engage 
um, you know, the, the law enforcement officer. Taking out that presumption clause might make it uh, easier to be able to get out of committee and off the floor and ultimately into law. And, uh, and so that's right now that's the discussion that's taking place. Well, this is R.D. We appreciate what you're trying to do. It's clear that you're trying to back up our law enforcement officers. If we don't back up our law enforcement officers, we're not going to have quality law enforcement officers. And, and the problems like I had in Memphis are going to get work because the, the qualified ones and the best ones are going to quit and do something else. And I don't think there's a good reason to try to take a nightstick or a gun away from a law enforcement officer unless you get into the, the other the other clause. But uh, body cams are, are something that I hope you guys will uh, you know, I'm for small government and cheap government, but I think body cams are a good investment for our law enforcement officers also. I think they protect both parties. That's but we appreciate what do. you're doing. Yeah, that's like sunlight adding to the distance. Exactly. I think body right. cams are just an awesome Yeah, feature. everybody needs them, and we need to make sure they have access to them. Well, let me let me well, jump. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you have something first. Well, just real quick on the on the body cams. I mean, you talk about what happened in North Little Rock just a few years ago when that uh, young man, uh, fired at law enforcement officers uh, during an arrest and, uh, I, I, I mean, missed one by <clears throat> what had to be inches. Uh, but then the, uh, the officers fired on that young man, and it was going to be an incident a la Ferguson, a la many of the others. It was right during that timing. And uh, the, the family brought in one of those attorneys, and uh, I think from Philadelphia, I think was where he came in from, and it, it was getting ready to Trouble was brewing in the in in North Little Rock, and that that officer's footage, the body cam footage, and from the police car itself showed exactly what happened. And that attorney came in, saw the footage, and walked over to the uh, chief of police, shook his hand, and said, "There's nothing I can do here." And that was it. It was all dispelled right there because can, the truth was able to be able to come out. That's, that, that's what we want, but a lot of officers do not have them at this time in Arkansas, and I think that needs to be a priority. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Let me just ask you about SB uh, 306, uh, Jonathan Dismang's bill about allowing people that are on food stamps to save more money and things of that nature instead of buying their own food with that money. How how do you feel about that? Because I, I've heard from Nick Horton that uh, there's a lot of uh, question marks over in the House side. Are you one of them with questions on that? Yes, a lot of questions. Uh, and and to be honest, when uh, at, where we are at this point in the session, which we have left the jogging phase and we are in the full sprint phase, uh, when I see a bill of SB, and I know it's over there in that chamber, and I start to just kind of take notes from a distance, okay, there's some concerns there. Let's see if it even gets over here. I'm focused on the HBs, which is the House bills right, right. now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I obviously have a lot of concerns uh, about that bill, uh, w- what it does. Um, you know, when you turn, I think, um, oh, let me make sure I get this right. David Ray had a quote that was particularly accurate in which he said you don't want to turn the social safety net into a hammock that's you know what (laughs) we had him on earlier today and he basically said those exact words that's great yeah and and so 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 it's a sign of a great society of a prosperous society that is built on the fundamentals of free enterprise and liberty that we even have the ability to have a social safety net at all 
you know, when the pilgrims first landed, there was no social safety net. You you provided for yourself or you, uh, you know, you, you didn't make it. It perished, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, and so we have a for... prosperous enough society that we can reach out to people who have needs, uh, especially those with temporary needs. We can give them a, a helping hand, and that is what a good Christian nation, a good nation, uh, you know, built on the love of fellow man can do. However... We have to protect the uh, integrity of the economy to be able to continue providing services for those who truly need it. Once we start expanding it to the people who don't, people who will abuse it, it jeopardizes the mm-hmm. whole system completely. And so that's one of the things that a lot of people don't realize is, you know, the people on the other side will accuse us of all kinds of heinous things that aren't true at all. It's because we have to protect what we do have for those who truly need or else nobody will have anything. All right, we uh, I got I told these guys one more question each and then we'll be done with you uh state representative wing quickly Paul. So, so just one one kind of point here is that you've one of the problems with giving out welfare to people who don't need it is it actually harms them. You've got people who are not yep. crippled and they become crippled when you when you give them give out free handouts. Hey, I say in the, the Christian nation it's the I'm sorry I didn't no, that's all right. No, no, Go ahead. Sorry. Go but ahead. I, hey, you mentioned the Christian nation. In a Christian na- nation, it's the Christian's individual's job, and a good Samaritan's not the government's job to do it. But thank you very much. Except for the disabled, we're for that, and the elderly. Right. Secretary, what or, or, con- Congressman Wing? <laughs> I'll, I'll just try to get it right here. Representative. All right, Representative Wing, thanks so much for being part of the Dave Ellswick Show. Have a great Easter vacation. You bet. You guys have a great one, too. Always good to talk to you. All righty. Bye-bye now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.